0: Mm-hmm. What's up guys? Today we're here in Asbury Park at Doug Deep Productions, the home and studio of our new friend Jack Daly. He's been nice enough to show us around and let me pick up all these awesome vintage <laughs> basses. <laughs> so it's taken us a while to get around to actually doing the interview, but uh, Jack, thanks for having us down. Oh, my pleasure. Good um, to have you guys here. So for you folks at home that might not know, Jack's played with some amazing artists. You were Lenny Kravitz's bass player for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, an artist that, that I love, Josh Stone. Uh, you played with Mick Jagger, Bruce Springsteen, Little Steven, Beyonce, Jay-Z, I, a little bit of work with Michael Jackson. That's right. Um, so I guess, I I know that you eventually relocated to New York,
1: but where did you come I, from in the first I, place? I grew up in upstate New York. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and, uh, like around the Troy area. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, for sure. But I grew up up there, and I was in all these bands up up, in, up up in the upstate New York area, and then I started working at a studio, and my intention was i'm going to I'm going to you know become a, an artist yeah you know, I'm, I'm singing, I'm writing the songs and i'm going to become an artist, and I'm, you know I kind of got into this thing where I, I was I was sort of uh like the head engineer at the studio, so I had free run of the place, so oh nice. yeah so I was there like literally every day, seven days a week, you know, all day long. And then when, when people that you know clients weren't there, I had complete run of the studio. So, oh, nice. you know, yeah. I just became <laughs> obsessed with it. And then like three or four years later, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get to New York. I gotta make something of myself, you know. Yeah. So I basically left that studio, moved to New York, and auditioned um, for this funk band. And the guitar player was Ronnie Drayton. Oh, nice. And and, uh, and Ronnie. Yeah was a complete badass. Ronnie since this passed away, but um yeah. it was my first sort of New York experience and uh and 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 he said, you know, move to New York. He said you'll get tons of work here. Oh, he nice. said because you, you just have all the you have all the elements, you know, and uh, mm. and he was very encouraging. And you know, your first stay in New York, you know, you, you don't expect any encouragement, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> so, but uh but he was very encouraging and um and we ended up playing together a bunch, but I played and I got that gig with that band. And then yeah. within like a year, I was in four or five bands. And within two years, I was in 13 bands. And, you know, you don't realize it at the time, but when you're playing with that many people and yeah. playing that much, you get better. You know, you really learn a lot. And it's all kind of happening in an organic way, so you don't even, yeah. you don't even know it, you know. But, um, yeah. But yeah J- you know. Just going about So life I moved and... to New York in 89. Oh, nice. and, um, and then within like two years or two and a half years or whatever being in New York, I started yeah. getting touring gigs and oh, nice. started playing on records and stuff, you know, and, and, you know, things started to, it started to feel like, you know, this is, this is a good move, you know, this is the right thing, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then so you, you'd moved in 89 and then 93 rolls around. And the Lenny Kravitz audition comes up.
1: Yeah, and and part of the reason why that went to me is because I used to do this thing every Monday night, yeah. where um, we we did only Zeppelin, right? And oh, it, was, cool. it was like it was it was on Bleecker Street, and it was it was this band called Four Sticks, and it was a bunch of session musicians. But we played Zeppelin every Monday night, and we, you know, we we played the, the hell out. Yeah. Of it, you know? <laughs> and um so. I think the word on the street was that Lenny was looking for a bass player that could play like John Paul Jones mm-hmm. but also could play like Verdeen White and that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. So he wanted someone funky and also someone that was rock. And the look yeah. was the look's always important, but the look was very important and and you know, I sort of looked I kind of had a similar vibe to the guy that was that was leaving, you know. Yeah. Um so uh, you know, I auditioned in New Jersey with his mm-hmm. engineer producer, Henry Hirsch. There was about 20 guys from New York, you know, all guys that were playing around the scene in New York. Yeah. And Henry picked me and one other guy and said, you know, I think you guys, you know, between the two of you, I think one of you guys are, is the right guy. No, sure. and, um, and so we go out to L.A. where they've been auditioning people all week. And it's everyone from Rudy Sarzo to Nathan East. You know, it's like oh, wow. everyone because they yeah. put it on the radio. They basically said, you know, we're um, we're looking for a bass player, and they put it on the radio. And, yeah. Uh, and you know, so everybody was there at the auditions. Anyone that was anybody, you know, went in audition. But the good thing was that I think Lenny heard that the guys from New York, like one of these guys, is the right guy. You know. Oh, cool. And. Um, and I also had a, you know, a little bit of a leg up with George, the keyboard player, because yeah. we had done some touring and played with some other people together. So the good thing was when I auditioned, they were ready to listen. You Because know? a lot of times you know, when there's 250 people, how do you even listen anymore, right? Yeah. But if everyone's saying this guy's the guy, you're going to pay attention. So that's, that's kind of what happened. And um, the week that I auditioned, uh, like a day into the rehearsals, because I, I went out there to audition, and, and, I, and Lenny, I said to Lenny, okay, I'm, I'm going to head back to New York and uh, get my stuff. He goes, don't worry about your stuff. We'll get your stuff. You're staying. Oh, wow. yeah. So I, and then I went back home. So, yeah. um, so but that same week, they played on uh, the MTV Music Awards with John Paul Jones.
0: Oh, I remember that, yeah.
1: So, you know, I got to meet John. and. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, and he yeah. was very cool and gracious and came in and said I said play this space this is the best one and it was the that that <laughs> oh the sonic blue the sonic blue yeah. oh Janice nice space yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and yeah and and if I think if you see that show I think that I'm pretty sure that's the bass he was using
0: over fifteen years with lenny that's a you know a lot of touring a lot of gigs a lot of shows is there any of those that stand out as like just the ultimate gig that you played
1: yeah there's there's a couple that sort of stick in my mind uh the very first—it wasn't my first show, but it was like the very first big show. uh was Radio City. Oh, nice. Uh, and um, and on that gig, you know, I look to the right of me, uh, on, you know, off where the where the techs are, and there's Robert Plant. Oh. And then and then I look out in like the th- second or third row back, and there's uh, Joey Ramone. You know. Oh. So it, you know, it was sort of that realization that uh, you know, okay. This is a uh, this is pretty real, you know. Yeah. So, but it was a fantastic gig and it was like one of those gigs that you know, it always sort of sticks with me. I mean, that first week that I joined the band, we did David Letterman. Oh, nice. We did a a gig in a small theater in New York and then we did Radio City and, you know. Yeah. It was it was, you know. Yeah. And all It was of like, so "Hello." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yep. that was a big one for me and also we played um we did. Um, we did the garden. Oh, nice. And uh, and I remember looking out and seeing Will Lee and some other people, and that was yeah. <laughs> that was a pretty that was a, one of those gigs that really sticks in my mind. And the other gig is um, we played in Rio, oh, on, yeah. on the beach, yeah. and it was a free show, and it was like some ridiculous number, like half a million people were there or something yeah. like that, and that gig kind of sticks in my mind, you know. And and yeah. people always say. Oh, how nervous must you be when you play for that many people? And the funny thing is, it, it, it's no different. It, it doesn't make a difference if there's if you look out and there's like a hundred people, or there's like a hundred thousand. Yeah, it, it makes no difference. It's, it feels the same in a funny kind of way. You know, it's probably worse if it's just Will Lee.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, because I think
1: most of the the pressure is 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 on yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's it's yourself. You're you're kind of yeah. You know, you always want to be happy with what you did you know and uh, yeah you know
0: yeah everybody everybody is there to see you do well and and right. watch a great show right. they're, they're not, all supportive they're not yeah. like oh I, yeah. hope he like, <laughs> no, I hope he makes a mistake. yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly no. so um after the after the lenny gig what was the first kind of tour you took on after that
1: uh right after lenny um i actually did one tour yeah. you know i was just filling in i was subbing really for it but it it was for Boss Gags. Yeah, and um, and and I was really into doing it because when I auditioned for my first real sort of club band where I was playing like five or six nights a week, I was like sixteen or something. I um, I auditioned with Lowdown. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so when I got the opportunity to play, you know, with Boss and and play those songs. I love that whole record, Silk Degrees, all the... All, David Hungate played bass and yep. just phenomenal bass playing, so I was like yeah. really into it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it gave me... An ex- <laughs> and it was, it was a funny thing, because uh, uh, Craig Fruin, who is Lenny's manager uh, for all these years, still is, he, he calls me and says, says, um, you think you can just play with Boz without rehearsing, just show up and do the gig? And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> no problem. So I do it, right? I... Yeah. I show up and and you know shed the stuff and really know the material and show up and do the gig no problem but then i realized my boss is like he's a serious cat you know yeah if i knew you know if i knew how serious he was i probably would have said no i don't think so but yeah. um, but i just you know i was i was ignorance is bliss sometimes you know yeah i just showed up sort of like oh yeah i got this which i did it's... but come on you know yeah if i knew if i knew how serious he was i probably said Nah, maybe a couple of rehearsals would be good
0: yeah give me a little more yeah. time on it yeah, yeah but that's... uh
1: but it was a really fun gig and um you know, it was short-lived. I only—I think I did it for two months or something. But um, I was subbing for his musical director, yeah, who was out with David Sanborn at the time. So, oh, nice, yeah. yeah.
0: And then, so post the post, Boss Skaggs, a little bit more time just doing recording some more after, sessions.
1: After that period of time, um, you know, I sort of wanted to really concentrate on producing and mixing, yeah. and I was working a lot with a, a British producer, and he had his own label. Um, and, and I was sort of the house mixer oh nice and, uh, and 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 sort of was really concentrating on that like really you know um, I didn't really want to tour for a minute you know and 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 that went on for about three or four years and then one day I just sort of said to myself you know if I don't get back on stage soon because okay. it's like four years or something like that of being off stage yeah'm I'm, I'm never gonna do it you know and i i wasn't ready to sort of accept um you know not doing that any, anymore so yeah. i then gradually started getting back into touring uh, dana fuchs who's yeah. this uh, amazing blues rock artist um i started playing with her yeah. and i and i worked with this band called gideon luke and the people mm-hmm. which was like a which seems like it's kind of like <laughs> I think we were like a little ahead of our time or something Uh, because it seemed like everyone is doing something similar to that now. It reminds me a lot of like the Black Pumas or
0: bands like that,
1: right? Yeah. And it was really cool and we got it really close. You know, we went over to England and we played on um, Later with Jules, which is a fantastic show and, and an amazing opportunity. And they really were behind the band and it seemed like, okay, you know, we might, maybe we'll get this happening. Yeah. But it just sort of... You know, it, it sort of th- th- there was like a certain point where I couldn't really do it anymore. I had to do other things, and I started touring in Europe with a few um, large uh, European artists. That were, you know, it's a funny thing in in Europe because you'll have these artists that are huge in their country, yeah, but no one knows who they are <laughs> anywhere else. So yeah. I got an opportunity to uh, to work with this, uh, this this gentleman Manolo Garcia. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he wanted David Bowie's rhythm section. Oh, okay. And 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 so it was all it was all David's people except yeah. for Gail. Yeah. Who was who out did. with Lenny? Yeah. <laughs> couldn't do it because she was out with Lenny. So yeah. uh, so Jerry Leonard, who was uh, David's uh, MD, he suggested me. He's like, well, you know, Gail's playing for him, so maybe. Yeah, you know so i ended up doing that tour which was a pretty amazing experience and uh and really fun you know and yeah. and, and i you know i had no idea i got over there same kind of thing you know clueless i got over <laughs> there and i thought you know i figured we're playing for like 500 seaters or something you know yeah and uh and it's like the first night and we're playing outside and it's like a huge you know stadium. It's like yeah. twenty thousand, twenty two thousand people. And they're all singing. They know every word of every song and it's all in Spanish. Yeah. And uh, you know. But it was it was a blast. And uh and uh nice. you know, we stayed in Madrid and we only played one gig a week. So I had the whole week oh, you wow. know hanging with uh you know Jerry Leonard and Zach Alfred and and uh you know the guys from David's band and uh, in Spain. And yeah. just you know we had a we had a blast. Oh nice and uh, and then I went to Germany um, and started working with this guy uh, who I had already done a record or two with, Marius Westernhagen, um, mm-hmm. who was just here doing his new album. Oh, nice! Which debuted at number two on the German charts. So <laughs> psyched about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, I did I did MTV Unplugged with him, which is still like a thing in Germany. You know, yeah, believe I it or did, not.
0: I didn't know that. that yeah, I thought that would. Yeah, that I, a, a while back. But it's it's it's, <laughs> it's
1: sort of. A couple artists have had you know major success with this MTV Unplugged thing, which you know we yeah. we abandoned here twenty <laughs> yeah. years ago. Which whatever is it was, too bad, really. Yeah, were, I know. It was, a, it was great. Yeah, we did one with Lenny. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I, um, I recently I, sent him a, like a note saying, that's some funky acoustic guitar," you because know, yeah. you know you don't think it's going to be that funky with everyone playing acoustics, but it was yeah. it was good. It was that was really good. But anyway, yeah. uh, after that. I, I started touring with, with Stephen Van Zandt and the Disciples of Soul. And yeah. And, and we did, did about four years.
0: Did that relationship with Stephen, I guess the question would be, how did you end up moving from New York down to Asbury Park? And did that relationship with Stephen no, have it, anything to do with it? No, it, it, it didn't,
1: no. I um, Basically, I was living in New York City, and and um, I lived in this amazing building in the East Village called Red Square. Oh, nice. And there were so many musicians living in the building. It was like me... Warren Haynes chris
0: chris Chris, chris
1: Barron from the Spindock yeah, yeah, Chan from uh, blues traveler, all yeah. these musicians and stuff living in this building and it was wow. it was a great you know it was a great time to live in the East Village, yeah, but after September eleventh I was like i need I want to buy a house yeah. like somewhere outside of the city, in case you know you never know you, know, you just sort of think, you know, yeah, stuff like this is going to keep it. happening in New York you, you, uh, you know. I was just trying to cover, you know, cover myself. So we bought a house on the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Um, basically, I was on tour uh, with Lenny, and my wife picked out the house, and we went and looked at it. Oh, and I was cool. like, "Sure, I like it." You yeah. Know, so, <laughs> so, but um, but I w- that was a co- it was coastal there. Uh, t- tidal. title. So yeah. whenever the whenever the you know the there was a storm or whatever, the water would come right up to the house. Yeah. And I had this. Bad boy on the ground level. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was like, you know, we gotta, we gotta get out of here. And I just, yeah. I don't know, it was something about Asbury that I just, I just was feeling it. So yeah, for sure. So we came here and we bought the building and we opened the studio and yeah. And my wife has the yoga studio next door. Yeah,
0: so. daily daily practice. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> she came like up with that. that name, by the way, yeah. not me. Oh, I like that. Yeah. um And then so and then you picked up the uh, little steven yeah. Disciples of Soul yeah. gig and yeah. for. You, those of you, if you haven't seen Little Steven, if you watch The Sopranos, we're talking about Silvio Dante. Yeah. Just when I thought I was out, pulled, me pulled back, back in. in. Yeah. That's that Silvio, who's also yeah. the guitar player uh, yeah. in the E Street Band, yeah. so. and,
1: and you know, and the, the sort of uh, mastermind of the Disciples of Soul. Yeah. And um, I mean, it is worth mentioning though that um, that Mark Ribler, who who I met when I moved to Asbury Park, he yeah. got me. He got me in, in the band.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, he did. So yeah.
1: there's that connection. Yeah. You know, with Asbury Park. He, um, yeah. Mark was Darlene Love's uh, MD, and, and he was doing a tour with Darlene Love, and I filled in on that for a while, and then we kind of put that, we sort of moved that band over to Stephen.
0: Oh, nice. Um,
1: and Stephen's yeah. thing, we didn't expect it to be what it ended up being. We thought we were going, we did one show in England at this blues festival. Yeah. And then after we did that show, he said, "This feels like an album." So we went back to New York. Oh, cool. We did the record, and the record came out fantastic. And then we took it on the road. And next thing you know, four years later, yeah. we, you know, yeah. our our final yeah. gig uh, with Little Steven, and when I say final gig, I mean our our yeah. final gig so far. Yeah, was at the Beacon Theater. We sold out the Beacon. Oh and, wow! And we filmed it, and it's like a you know, it's a DVD or a movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know it's great yeah it was a great gig and and fantastic music and
0: a great way to end end off like
1: for at least for a period yeah yeah well we sort of stopped and right after we stopped covid hit you know so Ah. yeah so you know even if we (laughs) hadn't stopped we would have stopped yeah the
0: the great gig killer came through yeah yeah and we were chatting a little bit earlier you had so you kind of did a gig at the start of covid and a gig right after yeah, COVID, uh, and they were 20, fairly interesting 2020 i had
1: two <laughs> two gigs all together yeah. right so at the beginning of 2020 um i got i got called by by lenny uh kravitz who i hadn't hadn't played with in like 12 years you know yeah uh, and he said well we're doing this corporate uh in davos i think it's the economic form yeah it happens once a year yeah and uh and he said, you want to play? And I'm like, yeah. So, <laughs> so I listened to all the songs, and uh, there was only one that I hadn't played before. So yeah, came not back bad. pretty yeah. good. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I went and played with him. And it was the weirdest thing, because it really felt like it was like 12 days, not 12 years. It was just like the strangest I got. And it was a different drummer, you know, but he's fantastic, Franklin Vanderbilt. Yeah. And uh, but it was you know Craig Ross on guitar, George Lax, same sax player Harold Todd. Yeah. And it just felt like you know, just like the old times. Like yeah. 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 It it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. And um, and then it was about two weeks after that COVID really hit, and I was doing, uh, I was hanging out with some people, and we were sort of joking about it, you know, like a week before, and then all of a sudden, yeah. Everything's done. So yeah. So that year, 2020, was when I, I, I finished building the studio because I had nothing else to do, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So I would get up every day and come over here and, you know, whatever the project of the day was, try to get, you know, try to get the studio a little closer to being open. But then in December, it um, might have been the first or second week of December, I get a call from Stephen Van Zandt and he said, uh, you know, we're doing, we're doing SNL, yeah. And uh, you know, he said in a very Silvio Dante kind of yeah. way, "I think I'm going to need you to step in on this." Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I said to him, well, "I said, you know, Stephen, I said uh, it's next weekend." He said, "Yeah." And I and I had like my first big session at the studio booked. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, I got a session at the studio, you know. Yeah. And Stephen goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he just, you know, he just moaned in a way that made me realize that like he already sold the idea to Bruce that yeah. if we if Gary can't do it, I got the guy, you know. And and and, and he did not want to have to unsell that yeah. after he sold it. I think that's what happened anyway. So yeah. I just said to him when he when he did that, when he made that sound, I was just like I'm there. in. I'm in. Yeah. You know, whatever you need. <laughs> whatever you need, boss. Yeah. So uh, so uh, yeah, I did it and it was it was it was great. It was amazing and, and my you know, my concept for it was, you know, just try to sound as much like Gary as you can. Yeah. And and it's not about you. It's not about getting noticed, it's not about trying to stick out. Yeah. It's just like take your place in the back. Yeah. <laughs> play the songs as perfectly as you can and uh and don't Mess up, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And after yeah. after we did the show, I, you know, and Bruce was great. He was mm-hmm. very gracious, and he just would always, uh, you know, when we rehearsed and stuff like that, he would just say, "Sound great, Jack," and that's all he said. You know, he just just said, "Sound great." Yeah. And uh, and Stephen, I hit Stephen up after, and I thanked him for asking me to do it. Yeah. And he um, he said, "You, you did great." like I knew you would. In other words, if you uh, hadn't yeah. I might have had to whack it, you, you know. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was he was cool. And uh, so that was yeah. it. Those were my two gigs yeah. for 2020. So first gig, Davos with Lenny Kravitz. Yeah.
0: Next gig Saturday Night Live with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Without a it, like... it's nice to have a little ramp up, you know, yeah. when you're
1: going to do, you know. And and that show you know, I was telling you earlier, that, that yeah. show, and I think I've done it like four times. It's yeah. the most intense of all the TV shows, you know. I yeah. mean, they're all intense in their own way, and it's sort of like, boom, you got one shot, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but that particular show, I think, is the most intense, just because it's, it's got that New York energy, you know, uh, yeah. you know. And they call you over the loudspeaker you know spring screen down come to the sp-, you know yeah it's just you know it's just you know like you said just
0: hallways of people flying Hallways by and, and there's yeah. all stars
1: walking by and you're just you know, standing there like going, oh yeah. boy
0: when they and like i was i had heard the actors talking about like it's great at first, because you go and you do these rehearsals and everything's good, yeah. and then when you go to do the show, they're like, you're on in three, and we want you to change this to this.
1: And it's Yeah, like... well, that's a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what would happen if they said, oh, well, yeah. we're changing the arrangement three minutes before, but thank yeah. God, you know, <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, you know, it's intense. Live is yeah. always intense, you know. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. It's always intense. It's yeah. nice doing live TV off the back of touring. In other words, mm-hmm. you've been out touring a song yeah. and it becomes a hit and you're going to go play it on tv yeah that's kind of like no pressure right because you've already got it like so ingrained and so in your hands but when it's you know you're coming off of a yeah. no gigs at all you've been a carpenter for like the year yeah. building your studio
0: play, yeah. and playing with the e-street band yeah who, I, and like what you said is um you know Obviously, they've had the same bass player forever. Yeah. They must like what he's doing, so oh, Gary's, why, Gary's, why mix it up? He's, right. he's phenomenal, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, just... Um, and um, you know, I was lucky because um, I was given, like, a, a bass tape, you know? Oh, Which, which cool. had, like, you know, the bass on one side and then the record on the other side, so you yeah. could really really hear what's Get going on. Get into what it was on the record and really learn the exact part.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's that's handy. There's nothing yeah.
1: worse than having to dig through a mix yeah, and try and, and hear. You're like, yeah, sometimes you like, you know, it's amazing sometimes, <laughs> yeah. too, when, when you think it's when yeah. you think it is and when you really hear it, you know, yeah. depending on how thick the whole recording is and yeah. stuff like that. And Sometimes it's half of what you thought it was. Yeah, and, exactly. Or, yeah. you know, there's you, you heard something in a guitar part or a keyboard part that made you think. The bass was playing this or that you know yeah but sometimes when you when you hear it really isolated yeah yeah that's always always super interesting yeah
0: um a super a good question for you you know as a guy with the resume that you have and you kind of alluded to it when talking about the e street band but what are the things that as a you know, obviously as a bass player, you can play the bass, and right. that's sort of the key to get in the door. If you couldn't do that, you're not going to get the right. gig. But there's got to. What are the other things that you think you bring to the table that makes people say, "Let's get Jack on this gig"? Well, well, it has to be something.
1: It, it, <laughs> it's, it's a. Com- I think it's a combination of things. I think yeah. one thing is, um, it's sort of. I'm a rock and roll bass player, but I'm a R&B bass player, and yeah. I I really grew up. You know, when I learned how to play the bass. The songs on the radio you know uh, you know songs like for the love of money skin tight you know yeah. all this kind of funk stuff where the bass was really the main focus that's yeah. what i learned on that's what i really you know that's sort of how i you know cut my teeth or whatever they say you know yeah um and then the rock stuff came after that you know oh, cool. um, so i think that combination is kind of rare like a lot of guys mm-hmm. oh they can rock but if they got to play, like, Verdeen White or they got to play, like, Larry Graham or whatever, they don't know how to do it, you know? Um, yeah. So, or they, they just don't have the feel. Like, like, like mm-hmm. Lenny's gig, for instance. I mean, I think people, they think of that gig as a rock gig. Yeah. But it's really a funk gig that rocks. Yeah. And the Disciples of Soul are very similar. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a rock gig, but if you don't have, like, funk and R&B sensibilities and chops... Yeah. then you won't cut the gig, you know. You have to you have to have both of those things. So musically that's kind of where where I'm coming from and that's I think why I've been able to play on a naughty by nature record, yeah. you know, and, 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 and or play on Beyonce's record and then play on like rock or pop stuff. Um I think that's kind of a rare combination. I don't I don't yeah. I don't
0: know. Um, I, I think a lot of people go the other way a lot of times like they learn rock growing up and then they get into funk and R&B, but there's that definite like funk R&B pocket where right. when you try and play it and you don't really understand that it's yeah. it just doesn't yeah. jive. And you right? can't, you know,
1: the pocket yeah. thing, you yeah. can't teach, you know. It's either there yeah. <laughs> or it isn't. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's yeah. that, right? Yeah. And and I think on top of that is it's it's knowing how to fit in Knowing when not to use certain tools that you have. Like, for instance, like I said, playing with the E Street Band, I'm going to try to play, I'm going to try to sound like Gary because that's that's what the gig is. That's been established, you know? Yeah. Um, And if you went out there and you're like, you know, I'm going to impress everybody, (laughs) you know, you're a goner, you know? Yeah. Uh, So there's that. And and, and just also being able to work with people, you know, being cool not being a jerk, you know, yeah. <laughs> showing up mm-hmm. on time, being prepared, all that stuff, you know, it all it all adds up. And any one element if you don't have it together it could get you fired. Where people are I don't want to work with him because yeah. he showed up and he wasn't prepared. Yeah. You know. I mean, and it's a big responsibility like for instance, all right, I'm I'm I've been doing a couple of these corporate gigs with Lanny, right? Yeah. Um if you showed up and you didn't put the work in, and you weren't prepared, you bring the whole gig down, you know? Mm-hmm. Bass is that instrument, you know, that you can't fake your way through it. No. You know, you have to know the material better than anyone else in the band, yeah. you know, because it's the bass, and it's... Yeah. One mistake is too many mistakes, you know? It's yeah. just, you know... I feel
0: like that's very very true, and it's uh, it's easier on other instruments where you can kind of get yeah. away with, with not quite having it or doing something a little different but everybody knows when the bass line is yeah. not yeah. happening or... everybody knows because yeah. it's
1: because it's it changes the chord basically yeah, you know? yeah a... and uh, usually if there's a mistake it's a half step out you know, yeah. like, you know? so it doesn't so... change the chord to one anyone wants to hear yeah the best uh, interval to be off yeah, by. yeah. but um yeah it's, it's just that instrument it's yeah. i mean i always i was joke in a way but it, it's kind of true that if anybody else in the band makes a mistake. It sounds like the bass player made a mistake. If yeah. <laughs> yeah. the guitar player or the keyboard player had a wrong chord or whatever, it's everyone yeah. looks at the bass player like. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen, seen it. That, that, that for right? sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's you got to make a mistake and look at somebody else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. you know, just try. I I try not to do it, you know, and uh, yeah, and um, it's not the kind of thing that you really get a lot of credit for usually. Yeah. So with Steven, you know, I um. Stephen hits me up one day, and uh, and Stephen's he's an interesting guy to work for because when you first start when you first come in the door, yeah, and I think it's from being in the E Street Band for fifty years, or maybe it's just his personality. But when you first come in the door, you know, like with most people, you sort of sort of start on neutral ground, right? They kind you kind of come in the door, and they they yeah. don't really they don't they don't <laughs> really kind of think you're going to be great, or think you're going to you know yeah. But with Steven, it 's like you really come in it doesn 't matter who said you were good or whatever. you kind of come in below <laughs> below street level, you know yeah, yeah. and you have to, you have to prove yourself to him, but yeah. once you do there 's no one better right yeah he 's the best guy in the world you yeah. just it takes a minute you got to like you he 's got to get to know you're playing and there 's got to be some trust built up yeah so I joined the band, and I was in the band for a while, and I think about a year in or a year and a half in we had done we had done this uh, all this touring, and we made a live record out of it. And, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or most of it was made into some kind of a live record. And all the stuff was mixed by Bob Clearmountain. Oh, cool. And Steven says, I got this email from Bob, and uh, it starts out What's the deal with your bass player? Right? oh and i'm like "Uh oh so so i keep reading it and it says what's the deal with your bass player and then he goes not only is he the closest thing i've ever heard to james jamerson he said in four hours of music there's not one bass mistake and he goes i've never had that happen
0: before oh wow
1: and i was like i was just like
0: those are a couple insane compliments yeah it was it was
1: it was it was an insane it was an insane letter and um you know, I think as valuable to me as the Bootsy check that I told you Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you just, you yeah. don't get
1: compliments for not screwing up. No one yeah. notices when you don't screw up. They only no. notice when you do screw up. Yeah, that's very true. But Bob, somehow it, it, it caught Bob's attention and Stephen Steven was tickled because he said, You know, Bob never says anything, you know? Yeah. So when he got that letter, he sent it to me, which was incredible. That's huge. Because most people would just be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) It's not about me. (laughs) But not Steven. (laughs) You know, he sent it to me. He uh, he was proud, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And that's I we should talk about the Bootsy Collins check because that's actually a really, really interesting story. So you were playing in Cincinnati and ended up meeting Bootsy. And Bootsy
1: was uh he was side staged, like like Robert Plant was yeah. in New York. <laughs> you know? I think I was more nervous about Bootsy. No, anyway, yeah. <laughs> and he was he was sitting there and he was he was watching us so and he was really getting into it. So um, you know, I didn't think anything of it. He, he he saw a couple songs. We tried to get him to sit in, he was like, No, I'm not sitting in. Yeah. So then after the show was over, Lenny came running down the hall and was like, Bootsy wants, he wants you to come back to his house. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> we're going to Bootsy's house? He's like, yeah, we're going to go back and we're going to record something. I'm like, fantastic. So we went uh, to Bootsy's house and we recorded two tracks oh, nice. and he told us like some amazing, you know, stories about being, you know, being in James's band and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. and he, and he wrote he wanted to pay us, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> so he writes out a check, and it's it's Bootzilla Productions, yeah. and in the memo it says base session. Yeah. And I never cashed it. It's in the other yeah, room. Yeah. You know, I'll show it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was like, I'm not cashing this. I'm, you know, I'm keeping this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it that's, more more value to me. Yeah, for you know, any for any of us yeah. bass players, yeah. the
0: check's worth more than the yeah. money. Yeah. Bass <laughs> session, William Collins. You know. Yeah. That's uh, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then. Um, Going into like a, a record that you played on that I'm a huge fan of, and there's a bunch, but the Joss Stone records, right? I, I know Cindy was on that as yes. well. Yeah. So how did that whole relationship come together?
1: I think you know it was one of the only periods in my life where I had an agent, and she takes credit for getting me that record, but I think Cindy really got me on that record because I think oh, okay. they called Cindy first and and me and Cindy you know we're we're such a great rhythm section that she yeah. I think she recommended me so you know uh, and it was a great it was it was it was a blast to do because they the concept was they were originally going to do that record with Booker T and the MGs right oh wow but they were they were booked yeah so um they got an, they got another idea that they were going to do the record with the sort of Miami funk Session oh, okay. people. So it was Little Beaver, yeah. uh, Betty Betty Wright, yeah. um, and uh, Lattimore, and Timmy Thomas, and all these sort of people from Miami that were sort of in the sort of uh, the scene down there, you know? Um, yeah. The, I guess it was like a 70s kind of funk scene in Miami. Yeah. So, but at the same time, they were like, but we want a kind of contemporary rhythm section. Mm-hmm. So all these... You know, cats were a bit older, and me and Cindy were brought in to kind of keep it contemporary, oh gotcha, yeah, so wh- which is funny because <laughs> yeah. it's so old school yeah. anyway, you know, but but yeah. uh, I think it was I think that was maybe so that if they made a reference like we want this sort of like this d'Angelo track or this other track or that, yeah. we would at least have an idea what they were talking about, you know,
0: yeah, for sure, so
1: um, but it was a really cool record to make because you know um Joss was. 15, you know? Yeah. And she claimed, and I think it was true, that she had never really sung with a live band before, you know? Yeah. And within, like, five minutes, it was like, you know, she, she was the pro. Yeah, she's got this. Yeah. She's just, you know, she's just amazing. And, and, yeah. and she, she, was, she was just as amazing then as she is now. She was just, yeah. you know, 15 years old and just like she had been yeah. singing that way her whole life, you know?
0: Yeah, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have yeah. known she was that young just listen to and, the record. for and sure. And the
1: record was it was it was literally. Um, I mean, they they spent some time like maybe doing some additional guitar overdubs and stuff like that. But it was like mm. we did it down in Florida. Yeah. Uh, and it was two days, I think. I oh think we, really? I think we rehearsed for a day or two, and then tracked all the stuff. Oh wow. Yeah, and it's all li- it's all yeah. they are all live takes. You know, they're all live. It's just.
0: Uh, that definitely got that sound of the yeah, record too, yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah, that's. There's yeah. a couple of tunes on that that I really love. You know, um, uh, I think it was the one you mentioned before. Yeah, Super Duper Love. Super Duper Love. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, I think that um, there's another one, um, one of the slower songs uh, that Stephen uh, referenced. He said, "Oh, Joss has a song," yeah. and I said, "Yeah, I know. I played on." It. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. he's like, oh you did. Yeah. 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 yeah yeah I love her she's great
0: yeah and it's a great like I was saying super duper love for me is if I haven't played bass in a little bit right. and I just want to feel good track where I can yeah. feel the groove again I yeah I just put it on yeah. and you know it's it's not a overly complex no. bass line but it's it just, grooves it's right? just groove so, right and it and, yeah uh, it feels good
1: and uh, <laughs> and I love the drums on that too yeah, yeah so the good drums are really cool yeah. on
0: that yeah and little beaver
1: little Beaver. I love it yeah <laughs> Man. he was really cool he yeah. was really cool
0: yeah, and another one I've I've gotta ask you about because I didn't know this until recently was you did some work with Michael Jackson. Yeah. And I think it was just a recording. Well but or well, did you do well, some um, work
1: no what I did is I was doing I, I was sort of the um the bass player for Naughty by Nature at that time. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah. so we had done a bunch of records, uh Queen Latifah, Shabba Ranks, you know, yeah. uh Poverty's Paradise, which won the Grammy that year yeah for Great best record. uh best rap album yeah. of course my name is 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 misspelled k g uh, <laughs> KG, uh the, the, the guy from uh, the the main guy the producer from from naughty by nature he used to always tilt the l so so it looked like like a uh, v oh Jack Davy. Jack Davy. Yeah. So if you look at that record and look who's playing bass, it's Jack Davy. Oh gotcha. Yeah. But anyway, I, I did a bunch of records with them and um and the Michael Jackson thing was a was a version a, ver- a, a naughty by nature version of Scream. Oh gotcha. Remember that song Scream? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely so it was actually it was actually Michael and Janet. So I got yes. to I got I got two credits yeah out of that one you know well, yeah but it's a cool version though. i don't know if yeah. you've ever heard it but I, get, I have to check it out i
0: just yeah. uh in a preparation to come down and yeah. meet i saw that as one of the credits and i went yeah. oh, i gotta check that out yeah it's cool yeah <laughs> yeah and, and
1: and and that whole record um the poverty's paradise record it's just a really good rap album yeah you know. yeah uh, that's that's a great record 95 something like that yeah. something like that i don't, I don't remember exactly but yeah so good yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. and then um you know obviously you've since covid studio life's gotten a little busier you're still gigging yeah. obviously but um who are some of the artists that you've brought through the studio here
1: well um i know i told you this but i'm yeah. i'm playing i'm i'm now the bass player for the spin doctors yeah. so uh so i started with them last year basically because of a situation because of covid you know yeah. um so they um they asked me if I if I would play a few gigs with them and that's turned into me being in the band so yeah. after about 4 or 5 months of touring they said you know we we got some new songs and we're, we're going to do a new record and we'd love to do it at your studio so yeah. great i was like that sounds good to yeah. me <laughs> so, yeah yeah come on so down. we did we did yeah. their new record here and um and it's a really it's a great record i can't wait for it to yeah I'm come looking out. For we're it still to sort of that. uh looking for the right placement for it you know yeah. But, uh, and it's, you know, it's, yeah. I, you know, I, I approach the music sort of in a little different way yeah. Um, than Mark, um, who was their bass player for years. I, I sort yeah. of, uh, I don't know, I, yeah. I, I I only will, I don't slap that much. I yeah. do it, I do it when I think, you know, and I, yeah. I did it a lot in the 80s, but I just sort of, I went through my slapping phase and then... Uh, yeah. You know, because the whole time I was with Lenny I was playing flat wound, so yeah, you know unless you're Larry Graham, slapping yeah. on flats is not it's no picnic you know? yeah, absolutely you know?
0: it's just a little bit tougher all it's, the time. It, right? it seemed to work really well for him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
1: uh for most humans it's, 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 yeah you know, it's, it's a bit of a fight, but yeah but um, but yeah, yeah. so we did that record, uh, which I'm really excited about I can't wait for it to come out yeah. and um Marius Westernhagen, who's the German artist that I've I've been working with for you know going on fifteen years, yeah. uh, he came over from Berlin to do his record here, yeah. and uh, and that record's just come out and, and debuted at number two. On yeah, the, and on you were saying
0: between two. Yeah, very... between Harry Styles and <laughs> Ramzan. Yeah,
1: Marius's record. So I'm very excited yeah. about that and yeah. uh, a bunch of other stuff, and and also you know. We do a lot of local, you know, Asbury artists, is a great music scene around here. Yeah. And we're doing, you know, we're getting into doing a lot of the local bands, and uh, that's exciting. Yeah. And I've been engineering a lot of that stuff, which is cool for me.
0: Yeah, and Asbury's got some obviously iconic venues in yeah. the area. Yeah, and... we
1: have, I mean, we, I mean, for the size of the town, there's a ridiculous amount of, of yeah. venues, you know. Um you know, and, and, you know theaters, the the Pony obviously, and 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 then the summer stage outside of the Pony. Yeah. And we have our own festival, you know, every every fall. You know, the see here now festival. Yeah. So there's you know there's a there's a lot of music, you know, and and um. And I like you know that's why I came here. You know, yes. Yeah. That's, that's why I moved here because I, I like being around all that. Yeah. And And uh, you know. Yeah. Getting getting some of the bands in here. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. And so you've got, if
0: people wanted to look up the studio, you have Doug Deep Productions right. as well as DugDeepStudios.com. Yeah, they're, they're both,
1: so, uh, we, yeah, we have yeah. both domains, so so they're both up there. Just because yeah. I was sort of, I had Doug Deep Production was my production company name. Yeah. And I kind of, like, when I opened the studio, I was like, I don't want to start another company. Like, yeah, for you sure. Know, I already had three, you, yeah. know, I was like, <laughs> you know, I want another one. Yeah. So I didn't. So I said, I'm going to use the same name. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some questions for you, I guess. Um,
0: you know, we haven't talked necessarily the actual actual bass playing. So when you were, you know, kind of first learning, and I'm thinking more in terms of stuff that would help, you know, people watching okay. the video, what are some things that you worked on or some things you would say that any bass player should work on?
1: Well, I think, you know, I think one thing that probably helped me tremendously, and, and it's hard to sort of separate yourself from what you've done. Yeah. Because you don't know, like, what would happen if you hadn't done this. But I spent a lot of time practicing to a metronome. Yeah. You know, I spent, you know, I would I would sit, you know, I would sit in my apartment and I would just play, you know, scales, arpeggios, everything with the metronome going, you know. Yeah. And I think either that or the fact that the 80s, we were all cutting everything to drum machines, you know. Yeah. So I think that time you know the time thing is so ingrained from yeah. that you know and and that's that's so important you know mm-hmm. everything you play if you don't have a great time sense you know you're just doomed you know
0: yeah and you're relying you know? on somebody else
1: which you know they don't like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and you, you know you it, it just you know it yeah. just doesn't work you know it's like you have to have that time and I think you know because of that um it's very easy for me to play with Different drummers, like I I, 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 feel you know any good drummer, I, f- I feel really comfortable with right out of the gate, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think it's because that it's, you know, it's yeah. always get that metronome going, you know, right. Yeah. And uh, I saw something uh, where Carol Kay was talking about uh, playing with the metronome and making it swing, making yeah. it, you know, you know,
0: yeah.
1: and uh, you know, I think there's that that's a big thing. Yeah, and I th- that's something that we talk
0: about in one of the the courses that we put together. And it's l- like after when you practice with the metronome for so long, you'll start to feel that there's the beat, but there's some space around it. Right. And right. that's where the groove yeah. actually lives is is in that space, or maybe right on top if you have a drummer that's right there, and you can play off of him and go ahead or behind. But, I always feel like yeah. it's
1: it sounds great if yeah. if the um, the bass comes in like right after mm-hmm. the drums. Yeah. So in other words, if you look at you know, because we, we all work with pro tools, right? So yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> so if you look at where your bass playing is laying, like if it if it's ever ahead of that kick drum, it always sounds horrible. Yeah. But if it just sets in right behind it yeah. So that the kick fires first, and then the bass sort of fills in after. That yeah. always sounds great.
0: Yeah, and it just feels like yeah. that kick's a yeah. little longer, yeah. everything's a little...
1: Yeah, a little it, just, fatter, it right? just sounds... It just really sounds good to the ear and feels yeah. good. And very Jamerson. Yeah. Like, right, like yeah.
0: that. And I mean, his bass was so... With the foam was yeah like another kick drum on, yeah. <laughs> on top of it, right? What a,
1: <laughs> another, yeah. you know, just crazy genius, you know? Oh, yeah. Those, you know? I mean
0: still looking at those lines like yeah i've got the um they did a transcription book at one point i thought you know this would be cool because then i don't have to go through and lift everything standing in the shadows and you look at that baseline for what's going on yeah and i mean the notes are there but it's still hard to play (laughs) yeah Yeah. the other thing
1: too you know you were asking what i think is helpful and you know because as a bass player like you don't necessarily have to know all the chords like like but you should. Yes. You should know every note that's in every, like, yeah. so arpeggios, right? That, yeah. That was a big thing, I think, that sort of opened me up, you know, to so that if I know what the chord is, I know exactly what I should play and what I shouldn't play yeah. and so on and so forth. So I think all of that stuff, you know, was were the main things, you know.
0: Yeah. And I I think as bass players, that's a spot we get lazy where you're like, ah, that sounds like a major. Yeah. And, right. But when you actually know, then yeah, if then. you go to play a fill, there's a better chance you might hit the right Yeah, you right? play the right <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know? and you For know sure. it's
1: just it's it's yeah. it's good to know. You know, you you want to be you want to be uh, aware of all that stuff.
0: Yeah, know? and that's actually something I wanted to ask you about as well, because you, I mean, you res, you played with the best of the best, and obviously being prepared has been a huge part of of nailing those gigs. Like yeah. like you said but what happens you know for people out there what happens on a gig like that to somebody that comes in and maybe they don't quite have it down and there's like another way to ask would be how many how many mistakes can you actually make before you're in trouble on a gig
1: uh, <laughs> i think that depends largely on the gig yeah. i think that you know i think there's certain gigs where like none yeah you can you can't make any mistakes you know, yeah. you, if you make any then you're you're already doomed you know but um it's all preparation, right? And, it, and it another thing, too, that, that sort of struck me, when I took some time off from playing and I wanted to get playing again, I, I started to just think about, well, am I going to be nervous, you know? Mm-hmm. So I did a little research, and then I saw this <laughs> thing, and I can't remember who said it, but it really struck, it really rang true to me, is nerves and being nervous is a result of knowing in your mind that you're not prepared. Ah, you know, yep. if you really know <laughs> you're prepared, then you won't be nervous. Yeah. You know? And and, yeah. and even if you are even if you you know, you you feel a little if you're if you're prepared enough, your hands will just go to the right. They'll just mm. go there. Yeah. It's almost like they, they, they think for themselves, you know. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like a reflex, you it's, know, you know where to go. It's so.
0: it's getting some a lot of times it's getting out of your mind to let your hands do what, do what to they do, know right? yeah
1: but they have to know it yeah know? yeah <laughs> so and I, like so, a lot of
0: a lot of times you look up and people are cheering and you don't
1: it's like oh what did i
0: just do yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah it's
1: it's you know preparation is i i think sometimes it's easy to kind of kid yourself into thinking you really know the song yeah and one a good test i always think is okay if you really know the song turn the music that you're playing along to off and sit there and play the song from start to back yeah. just by yourself, yeah, and that's something bass players don't do that often because you know like on a, like if you're a piano player or even a guitar player, you might sit there and play the whole song and sing it and whatever yeah. but bass it's it's you don't often do that, and mm-hmm. I think um I think that's that's always a good test if you really know the song, you know? yeah, if you really know the structure, you really know the arrangement, yeah. you really know all the little details and you know.
0: Yeah, and you're and you're not relying on somebody else for a cue to when a section change. Exactly, because that's
1: a lot of times you know, especially if you have good ears and good instincts, you can kind of rely on you know. But you're always a step behind. Yeah, (laughs) you know, you're always like one page back. I'm catching up, you know. But uh, yeah, so if if the cue doesn't
0: come, come you're in a bit of trouble. Exactly, or you know, if (laughs) the
1: guy doesn't look over and be like, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. the interesting question that i've been asking people but desert island bass albums. so if you had one album one bass player and that's all you could listen to what's well, going on oh nice yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah that's you know i jameson to me is is the best you know yeah. no one no one really touches it you know he's just no. you know and i mean there's a lot of great players you know yeah. but it's just something about the way he I think it's the first of all the sound sound mm. is phenomenal, but it's also the way that he can play so many notes, yeah, but it never sounds like too many notes
0: no, and know? he he kind of dances in between the melody yeah. and plays with it, but yeah. not like not playing the melody but yeah. rhythmically the and same it's,
1: and it's always you know it's always uh it's always right in the pocket, yeah, and sometimes mm. it's you know very complex, you know it's mm. he's, he's you know he'. Was, Definitely like an upright jazz player that yeah. you know, that switched to electric, you know. And uh, yeah. but that would be the one for me. Yeah. I yeah think and a,
0: all, all of it with one finger. One finger, f- right? Which, and, <laughs> in, a, in a weird,
1: sort of a weird way, like he didn't really anchor. Like like I think he yeah. sort of rode these three fingers on the plate. Yeah. And that was his way of anchoring. Yeah, and which, then sort of. Yeah, which is yeah. Uh, which is I've never seen anyone else really play like
0: that. No, you know? and. Yeah. And so far, like we were we were kinda of talking before, we're both guys that kinda of lean towards jazz basses, right. at least playing live. And for me getting ahead of the front pickup on a pickup or on a P bass sounds a little bit you know, I'm used to playing at the back of the bass. Right. So it's a little tricky, but he was always right yeah. at the front of the pickup. We're always cover right there, and, yeah. And and, yeah. And,
1: and and having the covers on yeah. obviously makes you sort of, you know, deal with the real estate there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. You know. <laughs> I, I always yeah. love the way jazz basses look with both covers, but it's like, okay, where do I go, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. If you're going to play <laughs> reggae style down here, that's fine. But Yeah, yeah.
0: that's a pretty finite amount of room yeah, in between yeah. uh, the back.
1: They look cool, but, you know, that's about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I, yeah, and, you know, over the span of their career and playing with all these great artists, what are some of the things that you're most grateful for?
1: Uh I'm just grateful to be able to do this, you know, to be able to keep playing, uh, to be able to play with artists that are inspiring, you know, and to be able to play, you know, on records and, you know, people respond to it. It's even better, you know. Yeah. So it's just all of it. It's just being able to, this is, you know, this is what I wanted to do when I was like 11 years old. You know, I I told my mom, I was like, we were watching like, you know in concert or something and kiss or some ridiculous thing and i said that's that's what i'm gonna do mom she's like yeah okay sure you know but yeah (laughs) you know that's what i did you know and uh i've never really been in a like i've never really been a band guy i've always been more of a side man yeah you know um so it's kind of cool now to to be in the spins and and that's a band you know and uh it's a different feeling, but it's 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 been I think it's been really re- rewarding to sort of get to play with them.
0: Yeah. Do the Spin Doctors have dates coming up this summer?
1: Yeah, we're we're basically touring all summer, and nice. um, and um, and we don't we don't go out like on a tour bus. Yeah. Uh, it's more like we do fly dates, so we go out and we're going for the weekend or whatever. But it's yeah. it's perfect for me right now because I can yeah. run this <laughs> studio and, yeah. and and you know go out and play with them for yeah. a couple of days and you know and then be back home and, and then be back home yeah. and be able to, you know do sessions and stuff here yeah. and uh, and as a matter of fact Aaron Comes the the drummer from the spins was down yesterday recording oh, nice. a bunch of tracks so
0: yeah and that's the kit we saw set up here yeah, yeah. when we came yeah. in so. yeah that's yeah. Uh, uh
1: one of the house kits we got like three kits and yeah. he wanted to use that one this week so oh
0: nice yeah absolutely well make sure you guys go see Jack out on the road with the spin doctors this year I'm going to try and do that for sure. If you come to Canada. I'm going to we'll be, be doing some slapping. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess yeah. You, can't, you can't get away from uh, the no spit yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Right on. Well, thanks a lot for having us down to your studio. Oh, my pleasure. Appreciate right. it so much. Absolute pleasure to finally meet you. Likewise. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. Right on. And and we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys again soon.